Hi, I'm Heather Knight, and this is the Surviving to Thriving podcast. One in four women will experience severe physical violence by an intimate partner in their lifetime. We're going to discuss the taboo topic of domestic violence and the tools our thrivers have used to succeed in life. We want you to know that you are not alone in this fight. Please keep listening if you or anyone you know has been impacted by domestic violence. Before we get into today's episode, I would like to thank our sponsor, Night Protection Services for making this podcast possible and all the support they provide our cause. So you started your businesses and then, you know, the the journey that you went on with your wife and going through the trauma there, because I think that's a huge part of your life and also why you're doing what you're doing now. And so just want to, yeah. So you had your business and then kind of like what, what happened, what started, you know, I know from your bio, she had cancer. So yeah, let's, let's get into that. So my wife and I at the time, we lived in the central part of, of the state of Louisiana, and we actually had moved down to, to the New Orleans area in 2015, I, and I stumbled upon dog training. I was doing firearms. I, it it kind of worked out where I was doing stuff for a buddy of mine that was opening up an indoor range, and we were constantly traveling together. I was going down there shooting with him. We'd go places, teach, things like that. Well, his now ex-wife was a school principal. And he calls me up one day and says, hey, my wife is, is their Spanish teacher is leaving and she, they're going to be opening up some opportunities for employment and want to know if your wife would be interested. So I talked to my wife. She, long story short, she, she applied, interviewed, got the job. And I'm like, this is perfect. Now I can help him. And, you know, his wife has hired my wife kind of thing. And so we moved down there and I stumble, we're, we're going to Alabama one day and I stumble upon dog training. He happens to have a dog, called a company up, they called him back. And in short, they're like, hey, do you know anybody that's trained and worked with dogs? And he's like, well, my buddy Joe sit beside me. He's worked with police canines before. So I end up getting hired onto them and about eight months into it, this ain't for me. I, I need to go out and do my own thing. And so I started my own business. And so in the midst of that, this is 2016. Okay. I had, I, I still knew really nothing about running a business. Now I just happen to be surrounded by somebody that does know business. And so he's giving me pointers. I find out about Gary V and I start listening to his stuff and it's motivating me about business and entrepreneurship. And so I really start plugging in and really start devoting my time to the business. Okay. Now, my wife at the time was a school teacher and she wanted to start her own bakery. She loved baking cakes and was phenomenal at it. Okay. She actually was invited to go on and do an internship with the show Cake Boss and was accepted to do it. However, in the application process, they found out that she was not in culinary school. And they're like, we can't take you unless you're in culinary school. But they loved her cakes. <laughs> you know, so that was a big, you know, that was a big downer. But we bought a house to be able to do that. Okay. Our kitchen counter is actually 18 feet long. Okay. And when th- this is determination, this is goal setting right here. Most people in America will go into three or four houses to view and then, like, hey, this is it. We went in in a, in a year and a half, we went in 123 houses to find the one that she wanted. 123 houses. And so, we bought the house. She's baking cakes out of it. And I knew then that she wanted to have her business, raise the kids at home, homeschool them. And so I'm like, I got to grind. I've got to grind, 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 grind to 
make up for her salary and things like that, right? So, of course, at the same time, I'm also convincing her to have a third child, <laughs> you know? And so 2017, she gets pregnant with our third child and immediately starts having complications, not with the child, not with the baby, but herself, okay? And fast forward, she gets put on bed rest. We had this whole game plan. We're like, okay, I'm going to keep working the business. I'm going to, you know, replace your income. The baby's due in February. You can do maternity leave. That will take us all the way up to the end of the summer. You can keep your job through summer because they get paid through for, for uh, as teachers during the summer. Okay. And then August of 2018, you would quit your job. And by that time, I'm like, I'm going to have your income already made from, from my business. And the business is rocking and rolling. Did six figures, you know, in the first couple months of the business, you know, now we're working on to the middle six figures. I mean, we're growing and things didn't end up the way we wanted to, you know, she gets put on bed rest in November of 2017, five months prior to the baby being born. I'm like, Oh my Lord. Now I've really got to, you know, come up with some money and things like that. And so we're very, very close to it. She's still having complications. And in December of 2017, right after Christmas, the doctors find a mass on my wife's liver, something that she had been complaining about for a while. They didn't think anything of it, no history uh, of illnesses, things like that. And so, but they needed to deliver the baby early. And so they brought them six weeks early. So about two weeks after they found that mass, still didn't know what the mass was. Okay. And six weeks later, after he was born, they went in to do surgery to remove this mass. Well, that's when we were hit with just some earth shaking, just some life shattering news to us. And I remember getting the phone call that day where the doctor's like, we had to go in and remove over 80% of your wife's liver. And she has stage four colon cancer. And I can still remember his words. I remember where I was standing when he said that, you know, because I know based off of my degree, I, I knew what stage four was. Stage four means it's spread throughout the body. And it started in her colon. It went to her liver, her lymph nodes, and her spine. And they removed over 80% of her liver and still left cancer inside. You know, and what's crazy is, you know, we've heard the thing, we've heard the term law of attraction. Okay. What we think, what will attract to us, what we speak will attract to us. Well, I almost like to say that my wife kind of brought it on her. Uh, okay. Her mom died of ovarian cancer at the age of 36, three months after giving birth to her. Okay. They found out the day she was delivered that her mom had ovarian cancer and it was stage four, three months later, she passed away. And so she was immediately abandoned by her mom, even though that wasn't her mom's fault, immediately abandoned by her dad, because her dad's like, I can't take care of an infant. So I'm going to give them to the aunt and uncle. She was raised by her aunt and uncle who she, who became, I guess, legally, or even by just by love, her mom and dad. Okay. So now she's feared that her whole life. And now at the age of 36, six weeks after giving birth to her child, she's now diagnosed with stage four colon cancer. So if that's not, you know, life served on a silver platter, I don't know what is the thing that you fear the most. Now, I'm not saying that's what my wife did, but is, is she attracted that? But unfortunately, that's what we're having now. That's, that's our journey now. And, you know, we go over the next year and during this process, I'm sharing things on social media. I'm sharing our life's journey right now, our family, you know, and I am sharing what she was going through, what my family was going through. I didn't even, I couldn't grieve 
in front of my family. I couldn't grieve in front of her. Okay. It would send her into a, a spiral downhill depressive state. You know, my wife had already battled with depressive times, you know, and then all of a sudden now she has cancer. She has three kids. She's dying. Okay. And just even the thought of all those things, I remember about two or three weeks after she had came home and we had found out after the liver surgery, I remember walking back into her back bedroom and she's like, Hey, can you give me a glass of water? And I'm like, sure. So I walk up to the front, give her a glass of water. She's in good spirits. I wasn't gone less than a minute and a half, if that much. And I come back down and I'm walking down the hallway and I remember my daughter running up the hallway and she's nine at the time and saying, dad, that mom's crying. And I'm like, I just, she was fine just a second ago, you know? And so I walk back there and this was her comments to me. She says, I smell the smell of death and I have no hope to live. And she said it in front of my kids. And I immediately, you know, what kind of training do you have for this? I'm not a trauma coach. I, I mean, you know, you hear of people having cancer, you know, but this is when the reality hit me. And all I could do is go back to my level of training, my Marine Corps days. And I'm like, nope. Open your eyes right now. You look at those kids. And I, I begin to push her just like I had pushed athletes before, just like I had pushed my Marines before when they faced obstacles that they didn't think they can get through. And that's all I knew how to do, you know? And so I would have to be strong in front of my wife and kids. And then I would get on social media and it would be waterworks. I'd be crying my eyes out. That's how I was sharing my grief. That's how I was sharing my pain. And what ended up happening is, you know, over the next 11 months of her life, I mean, we're going through chemo, we're going through all this different treatment and we're watching her, we're watching her body just completely just waste away. You know, we're watching a, you know, um, an infant grow and trying to learn who his mom is. We're watching a nine and a seven-year-old watch their mom battle cancer and they're hearing stories at school well, so-and-so's parent died or this person dies of cancer. Everybody dies of cancer. And I'm trying to be encouraging to my family. My, my daughter's coming home. is like, dad, is mom going to die because she has cancer? And, and honestly, I, you know, we're faith-driven people. We, I was born and raised in church. I've you know, ministered in churches as well as my wife. I never thought for one moment that my wife was going to die. I never thought that cancer was going to be, you know, an issue. I'm just like, God's going to heal my wife. I know it. And so I spoke that out into existence. I, I walked by faith, you know? And so that, that continued on into the point that, you know, doctors said that, hey, chemo is no longer working. And so I'm like, well, I got to look for alternative measures. I know God's going to heal my wife. And in the midst of all of it, it led to a lot of things of me praying for people on social media people, me coaching people and just, they're like, how in the world can you be so joyful, be so happy in the midst of so much pain? How can you smile through all this? You know? And I'm like, I I don't know. I have no idea. Honestly, I had to start figuring that out for myself. And ultimately it's just like, there's so many people that are going through so much stuff out there. I know I'm not the only one. And I know other people are going through abusive relationships. They're going through divorces. They're going through Tra- tragedy they're going through. I mean, so much they're going through hell. And I'm like, I can't throw a pity party about me. There's so many other people going through stuff. There's people out there that are going through stuff that can't get out of what they're going through. You know, wives in abusive relationships, verbally and physically abusive relationships, emotionally abusive that have no way out. It, 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 
them being alive is staying in the relationship, you know? And, you know, I'm like, I have nothing to complain about. My wife is still here. My kids are still here. I'm still here. And so 11 months into it, my wife ended up passing away. And the night before she passed away, I'm going through her social media and I'm, I'm answering everybody, anybody and everybody that I can in regards to condolences and things. And I remember sending her this video about six months prior, and it was of a pastor. Uh, it was about a four, four minute clip. And about the last minute, minute and a half, he was talking about pain. And he says, you know, we experience pain because ultimately as ministers, as people to touch other people, we have to go through what other people will go through. And he says, you can't touch what you cannot feel. And I heard that and I'm like, and I had already heard this before. I had heard this six months prior. And I'm thinking when I heard it, I'm like, sweetheart, that's, that's, that's why you're going through cancer. It's, it's to be able to touch other people. And I looked at it from her standpoint. Okay. But really it was from my standpoint, we went through it so I can touch other people. So I can sit there and minister to other people. So I can say, you know what? And I don't know what it's like to go through a divorce because I've never been through one. I know what it's like to be a single parent, to lose a spouse tomorrow. Uh, you know, I, I, I'm not sure when this is going to air, but tomorrow being June the 25th would be our 16 year wedding anniversary, you know, and you know, my wife's been gone almost two years now. And though I talk a lot about my wife is 22 days prior to my wife dying, my dad died. I got hit all in the same month. But here was the crazy thing about my dad and my relationship with my dad. See, my mom passed away in 2005. And at that time when she passed away, she was 59. So she was fairly young. Okay. We didn't have a good relationship with my dad. My mom and dad didn't have a good relationship. They still lived together. They stayed married the whole entire time. My dad, my mom didn't really love my dad. You know, she tolerated my dad. Okay. We all were all grown adults. We lived out of the house. I was, my younger sister, I think was 25 because I had just turned 27 or she was about to turn 25. So we all lived out of the house and things like that. But we resented my dad. We hated my dad. And I remember all of us kind of coming to the standpoint of, I wish it was dad that had died and not mom. But fast forward 14 years, my dad died, my best friend. And he did, and, and, he, and he passed away right before my wife. And so I'm getting hit with this double whammy. And then roughly about 60 days later, my son, the infant, the baby, that's now only just past a year old, is now being life flighted to a hospital out of town because he can't hold down food. He can't, he's malnutritioned. And he spent 45 days in the hospital. So it's just one thing after another, after another for me, you know? Luckily, at that time, I had two really good individuals working for me that kept my business running because I'm just like, man, screw the business. I don't care. I'm losing my life. I don't care about nothing else right now, you know? And, but I remember watching that video and watching that pastor say in the Bible, it says in Hebrews, it says, for we have not a high priest who can't be touched with the feeling of our infirmities. Jesus was touched every time he went to pray for somebody. It says he was moved with compassion. Every single time in the Bible, he was moved with compassion. We can't touch people without knowing how they feel. Okay. I don't know what it's like to be an abusive spouse because I was never one and I didn't have an abusive spouse. I don't know what it's like to go through a divorce because I've never been through one. I watched my brother go through a very, very horrific one. I watched my older sister lose her son to suicide. You know, I, but I know what it's like to lose my dad. I know what it's like to lose my mom. I know what it's like to lose my wife, you know, and there's purpose through pain. 
We all, we all, no matter who you are, no matter what ethnic group you, you classify yourself with, no matter what gender you are, no matter where you grew up in the world, no matter how, what your financial status is, we all go through pain in life. A lot of us, like we talked about this, we don't know the pain that we go through as a child because we don't know how to process the emotions, but we all go through it. And psychologists, psychiatrists have all said that the very first relationship that you get into as a young adult, let's say uh, a marriage even, all is based off of the, mar- the relationship you've had as a child with your parents, Okay. And that's why we see a toxic cycle a lot of times for people, because I, I, I even remember, you know, a girl that um, that I started to date, you know, toxic relationship after relationship because of what her, her, her first marriage. He never said I loved her. He she thought that that was OK, because that's what she saw from her mom and dad. Never saw that. I love you. Never heard that. I love you. She craved it. but She thought that that was normal. You know, the abuse. She thought that that was normal. And I'm like. How could you not get out of it? She's like, I thought this was what's supposed to, I thought this is what marriage was, you know? And so in the midst of all that, you know, I'm, I'm out there just sharing what, what I know, sharing my hurt and my pain and really taking a part of so many other people sharing their pain, you know? So there's something I want to tell the listeners is everybody is going through pain. Everybody out there, you're not alone. You're not the only one that is going through the abuse, no matter how it is, whether it's the molestation, whether it's the rape, whether it's the verbal abuse, the physical abuse, trauma bring, the end result of trauma is shame. We get to a point in our life that we've experienced trauma and it all turns back to us shaming ourselves. Well, if I would have done this, if I would have done that, if I would have known this, if I would have made that decision, I wouldn't be where I'm at. We can what if it all day long. What are we doing now? Are we out of it and into a healing state of mind? Are we still in it trying to get out of it? You know, trauma does nothing but bring you shame. But I'll tell you one thing that'll bring you healing all day long. And this is where people really get held up at. And this is what I was going through. This is why I was able to share the things I was able to share and walk through such hell in my own life. Walk through the hell, the hallway. I call it the hell in the hallway. Okay. Walk through that hell in the hallway of life that nobody wants to talk about. We want to talk about where we started. We want to want to talk about our in success. Okay. I look at it as a hotel hallway. You got doors on each side, right? You got 25 doors on one side and 25 another. And we're going through life opening and closing doors in job, in one job and out the other job, in one relationship and out the relationship. And we finally get to this point in our life, this peak or this pinnacle of our career where we're making seven and eight figures. We're traveling all over the world and we're speaking. Everybody thinks we're born with a silver spoon in our mouth, you know, and we're talking about that, but nobody ever wants to talk about the hell in the hallway, you know, but it's that right there. It's vulnerability that brings healing, being open, talking about your problems venting to somebody. Because when I begin to share something with you, Heather, or when I'm coaching a client, a lot of times it's just and I get so much healing in myself because I'll say something like, man, that's pretty good. I didn't even know that. I like that for me, you know, because being vulnerable opens ourselves up to healing. Yeah, I 100% agree. And so my question to that, though, is how did you figure that out? Because you said that your father passed away your best friend. So clearly it was not your wife passing that 
caused you to start looking into yourself and doing that because you healed that relationship with your dad prior to all of this happening. So how did you figure all of this out? Because I know you said like you had that mindset change, but that still doesn't mean that you're healing from the trauma. That just means you're not going to repeat the trauma. So how are you, what did, what happened? What, where'd you go? And what was that process like? So, you know, the process of my dad, a couple of years prior to my dad passing away, or uh, I'm sorry, my mom passing away. I went to my dad and I told him that I forgave him. I just said, dad, I forgive you. You know, I forgive you for the abuse, you know, and I really thought he was going to be very heartfelt, very sentimental about it, you know, but his response really just, it almost set me back because his response to me was, is, well, that's what I thought I was supposed to do. And I'm like, how can you rationalize beating somebody? How can you rationalize being abusive? You know, but ultimately I started to think, and I'm like, I, I, I don't remember when it was, but I just begin to think, I'm like, I'm not this way anymore, but what was it that my dad went through that caused him to be that way? I started to put myself not in my shoes anymore. Cause see, that's a victim mentality. When we're only looking at it from our standpoint as a victim mentality. I started looking at it from my dad's standpoint. Why did my dad act this way? Why? My dad wanted the best for his kids. My dad was, when my dad died, he was so proud. Oh my God. Such a proud man of his kids bragged on us all the time, you know, and it was his pushing because he was pushed as a child. He was pushed as a young adult. And so what did he do? The same thing that I did when my wife, when I walked in the bedroom and she says, I smell the smell of death. I have no hope. I did the only thing I knew how to do. That was push. The thing was, is I wanted the best for my wife, but she wasn't the type that could be pushed like that. She wasn't a Marine. You know, we can talk to certain people with that mentality because you, you either get raised around it or you, you adapt into it. Right. And so I found myself doing exactly that, even to my kids, I want the best. So I'm going to push, 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 push. And then I realized I'm like, man, I'm being just like my dad. And so that's where things started changing to me is when I recognized that my dad did honestly the best that he could with what he knew how. Okay. Cause honestly, is there really a book on parenting? Come on. There's a, there's tons and there's thousands of books out there about parenting. Nobody tells you how to raise your kids in the situation that you're in, where you grew up, how you grew up, why you grew up. No, nothing. It's all based off of people's experience. So guess what? We're writing our own book as we're living it. We're writing our own book about marriage, why we're living in it, in relationships, why we're living in it. I was writing my own book about grief while I'm living in it because there is no perfect way. It's understanding that what you do today can be right or wrong. It doesn't matter. If it's right and it's successful, okay, great. Do it again tomorrow. If it's wrong and not, change it up. You know. So that's really what started changing my mindset about my dad. And then I just... I would take it very easy. Now, of course, I was still always, even into my 30s, even though I didn't need the approval of my dad, I still found myself finding, seeking approval. I was 30 something years old and be like, hey, dad, what do you think about me buying this car? I didn't need his his permission because he wasn't the one paying for it. I was, but that's how my, my brain was wired, you know? And so when it got to the point of me, you know, my dad dying and then my wife and, you know, going back to the question of how did I make through it is it wasn't until about six months after my wife died that I really realized my pattern of what I was doing every single day that helped me get through trauma. 
If you or anyone you know has been victimized by domestic violence, please reach out to us for resources and ways our organization can help you. You can find us on social media at 2thrivingatl, T-O, thriving, A-T-L, or online at 2thriving.org.